Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Okay, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Leighton Erickson. I'm the lead pastor here. And I just want to say that I love this church. I, I don't know about, for me this morning, it's, 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 there's something that's been happening, and, it, and I just feel that God's presence is with us today. And I, I love our staff team. I, I look out and I see the people here, and, and I just am so grateful for being part of this church family. It's always great to see the faces of those who are in the auditorium, and it's amazing that there are actually people watching online even as I speak today. And so to all of you, uh, thanks for making the effort to join us today. Now, last Sunday, we took uh, time, a couple of minutes to thank a few people that had, had significant ministry amongst us. And so in the morning service, we thanked Pastor Brian for 20 years of ministry. Later that afternoon, we thanked uh, Pastor Kelly and, and our great volunteer ministers at the church picnic. And as Kelly said, uh, that was fantastic. If you missed it, you really did miss out because we had a great time together. Uh, there was one person, however, that we wanted to th thank publicly that was not uh, in town last week. So I want to do that today. And so I'm going to invite Sandra Dick to come up right now. And yeah, I think your kids are already gone, so that, that's fine. Uh, one of our highly valued ministry areas is children's ministry. And this past fall uh, was especially critical for us as we are trying to reboot this ministry after the pandemic shutdown. And so uh, when our children's ministry pastor went on sick leave, literally days before our kickoff, uh, we, we had a few challenges we had to overcome. Now, thankfully, um, all of our children's ministry volunteers stepped up in a huge way for us. And Sander, in particular, took on a significant leadership role within our children's ministries at a very critical time and, he, and really helped us uh, move forward on, on things. And now that Ashlyn has officially arrived, uh, Sandra has let uh, me know that she'll be moving out of that role in children's ministry, at least for the time being, unless I call her with a desperate call at some point. But uh, I just want to say, Sandra, on behalf of the church family, we want to thank you for all that you've done for us this past season. You have filled um, a major need at a very, very critical time, and you've done so with excellence. And so as a token of our appreciation, uh, we have a little gift for you. And if your kids are here, it's really a family gift. Okay, and we know that they have made sacrifices. They have come early, stayed later, and so this is something that you can just uh, say. For all the times we did this, here's something special that we can do. So, would you would you thank Sandra with me? Today? Okay, thank you. Uh, now, this morning we're going to continue our sermon series called Covenant Community. And our focus today will be on a renewed commitment to engage in God's mission. Now, let me quickly give you some context of this uh, sermon series by reminding you where we've been, especially if you're newer to us. Uh, for most churches, including ours, uh, this right now is a season of rebuilding. We've just come out of a two-year pandemic, and now is a time for us to rebuild. And, and during that pandemic, Many people lost connection with others in the church, and, and some people even lost connection with God. We, we lost the rhythm of gathering weekly as a group of believers. We, we stopped volunteering, and, and, we, and we pulled out of serving uh, other areas of ministry. 
And instead, government-imposed restrictions reduced our world to this small, uh, safe bubble of people. However, um, even though that was our reality in this last season, it is not God's plan for His people. It's not God's plan for His church. And I just want to say that the pandemic did not disrupt or alter God's overarching and unfolding plan for the world. And that's a, a plan that includes each one of us in this church. Now, one positive that I think that came out of the pandemic is that many believers, maybe you, have been asking yourself the question, well, okay, what does it really mean to be the church? Because if nothing else, the pandemic has showed us that church is not a building that we go to once a week. It's, it's not an event that we attend every once in a while, and it's not a program that we participate in. And so what we've been looking at over the last while is the church really is designed by God to be a family of brothers and sisters who are committed to following God together, committed to genuinely loving and caring for each other, and committed to accomplishing a common mission together. So um, if the church in Ebenezer is not a building or an event or a, but a spiritual family on mission, then, then what is the mission that Ebenezer is pursuing together? Well, I want to answer that question this morning in, in two ways. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, take you through our actual mission statement because you probably should know what that is if you're going to be part of the Ebenezer family. And then second, I'm going to walk you through a few key passages of Scripture in both the Old Testament and New Testament that will help us understand God's um, purpose for His people throughout the ages. And I think we're going to learn something from those things. So first, let's start with Ebenezer's uh, mission statement. What we say is that our mission is to bring glory to God by pointing people to Jesus and helping them know and follow Him. Now let me just break that down. Uh, our mission is to point people to Jesus. So I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on this, but that's why we, have, we invest in ministries like the Alpha Course or like uh, Vacation Bible School that we're, we advertise today or why we hire uh, junior high and senior high pastors or a college and career pastor or why, if you're with us in the fall, we have things like a break-free weekend because, because at the core, all those things help point people to Jesus especially in a, in a world where, where people don't know who he is and don't know his great power. And even in talking to Will, uh, you know, we have like, like 50, 50 uh, junior high kids coming out, most from the community. And it's even wearing out Will, so you know how energetic that, that group really is. Um, and so we're helping them, we're, we're pointing people to Jesus. And then the second part of that statement is, and help them know and follow him. And we help people know and follow Jesus through a process that we call discipleship. And at Ebenezer, we define a disciple as someone who takes on the character and ways and mission of Jesus and helps other people do the same thing. And that's why we say at Ebenezer and why we're trying to model that discipleship is at the center of all that we do. And so some of the, 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 the ministries that we have that focus on discipleship are things like our life groups, our discipling leader training, uh, our mentor groups that people are part of, uh, seminars like, we, like Hearing God that we have. And, and all these things, those things that point people to Jesus and those things that help us be discipled in our faith, uh, those things don't just magically appear from nothing. Uh, these things happen and can happen because there are people in this spiritual family who are using their gifts and, and sacrificing their time to serve 
in areas like the children's ministry or in the youth ministry or the CNC ministry. They happen because people in, in this spiritual family serve at, at places like Alpha that allow others to come and explore their faith. And a couple of weeks ago, we had this wonderful testimony of a couple that's, that's here today that just got married last Saturday. They're here this morning. I think I saw them. Of people coming to faith because of people like you uh, serving other people. This happens because, um, you know, people uh, you, uh, give up their time and use their, their, their gifts to lead us into the presence of God this morning. Like when we worship God, that doesn't just happen by accident, right? People are, are here serving and serving in the sound and serving in the media center. Like all those things make a difference and, and they draw people in. And they happen because there are people that have understood that, that God has called them and has gifted them to be used to serve other people. So I just want to just encourage you as we rebuild and move forward that if you're part of this family and you're not serving, then we want you to renew your commitment to be a part of God's mission and find a way to serve, whether that's here in Ebenezer, that's not the only way we serve, or whether it's uh, to those around you in your neighborhood and workplace. Because uh, there is no way we are going to change the world if all we do is sit next to each other, uh, shoulder to shoulder, in a room once a week. And, and if that's your understanding of what church is, then, 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 then we've missed the whole point. You know, we've totally missed God's good design for our lives in this world. Okay, so the commercial aside. The last couple of weeks, I've preached, uh, I've used the text from Hebrews chapter 11. And in this passage, there are, are two foundational truths that help us bring clarity to what it means to be the church. So I just want to review those, and then we're going to look at the final one today. The first foundational truth is, as followers of Christ, we are recipients of a new covenant. And, and what we've said is that this actually changes everything. It changes our relationship with God by giving us unlimited access to Him something that the people in the Old Testament never even dreamed would be possible. And, and now, in, in this new covenant through Jesus, we can, we can draw near to this holy, almighty God anytime, anywhere, for any reason, and actually any person. And that's why one of the invitations that God is giving us is, throughout the Scripture and even today, is to return to Him. He wants us to turn away from those things that capture our hearts, and pull us away from God and His ways and return to Him with all our heart. And the reason he says that is, is kind of summarized in Acts chapter 3 where it says, so that our sins may be wiped out and so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And this is a season that we're longing for this time of refreshing, that we're longing to be renewed. Now the second foundational truth is as followers of Christ and as recipients of the new covenant Jesus established, we're members of a new family. A family is, is, is central to God's economy. God has designed both our physical and spiritual families to be the primary means by which we nurture for and care for and instruct and protect and go on mission together. We actually need others in our life to, to complete us because we're not complete ourselves. We need others to fill, fulfill what we're lacking. We need a spiritual family to help us uh, grow in our faith and, and to provoke us towards love and good deeds so that we can fulfill God's mission. And the challenge for us in this season 
of forced isolation is, is for us to re-engage again with the spiritual family. And so, so even though I, I know that we're not perfect and we're the, that local family, we're inviting you and we're calling you and challenging you to renew your commitment to be a spiritual family with us. And not just to say that uh, by your words, but, but to lean in and do what it takes because we know that spiritual family is the best environment for us to grow in our faith. Okay, so I mean, we, we've talked about a renewed commitment to love God with all our heart, a renewed commitment to be a spiritual family together. And today what I want to look at is, is a renewed uh, commitment to engage in the mission of God. Now, as I have done uh, for the first two topics in this sermon series, I, this morning I'm going to lay a theological foundation of, for God's mission as a way for us to think more deeply about God's overarching purpose for our lives. And then next Sunday, uh, Pastor Chet is going to come and, and speak over uh, on some practical ways that we can renew our commitment to and engage in God's missions together. Now, let me just begin with, with a statement for us. Um, I believe that God has placed in every human heart a desire to make a difference in this world that we live in with our lives. I really believe that, that God, that God has placed within us this desire for our lives to make a difference and for us to make an impact in the world around us. And the truth is, is that, that we really are God's chosen instruments in His strategic plan for the world. Now, we're going to look at many scriptures, and this one we're going to come back to a little bit later on, but in John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says to, to His followers. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant, does not, a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. And then these words, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit, a fruit that will last. And so right from the very outset, we, we see that the God has chosen us He's chosen us, first of all, to be his children. He's adopted us into his family. And now he's chosen us to, to be part of his unfolding plan, to be part of his mission on earth. We are God's chosen instruments, and he's appointed us to bear fruit. Now, what I want to do for the rest of the morning is I, is I want to, to turn to a couple of uh, Old Testament passages of Scripture, first of all, and... Uh, just look at God's purposes for his people, and then we're going to turn to some, some New Testament passages of Scripture. Now, I, I, need to, I need to warn you that you need to be engaged, okay? Like, so if you have your Bible here, uh, pull it out now, because I'm not going to have all the Scriptures up on the screen. And if you have your, your device here, pull up your Bible app so you can you know, track along with me. Because... Um, because these scriptures are actually foundational in helping us understand our role. And if we don't understand this, you might just think that serving God and being on mission with Him is something that the pastor tells you to do, that you hear when you come to church on Sunday. And I want to say it's much, much bigger than that. This is God's unfolding plan for our lives. Okay, so let me begin at the beginning. Genesis chapter 126, a verse I used last time I spoke, but I'm going to use it in a bit different context. It says this, uh, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. In the very beginning, 
man was created in God's image. And he was created with the expectation that, that he would be God's image bearer. In other words, that he would display the glory of God to the world. And God commanded him, and this is the theme we're going to see throughout the Scriptures, God commanded him to multiply and fill the earth. And, and he did that so that the whole world would be filled with the glory of God as mankind continued to multiply apply and be fruitful. Now, unfortunately, uh, we know that man forfeited God's uh, glory when he believed a lie from Satan and rebelled against God. But, but that moment did not forfeit God's plan to have his glory displayed in all the earth, even though man forfeited that. And God still wanted his glory to be, to be known amongst the nations. And so, if we turn over a few chapters later to, to Genesis chapter 12, we see this, this very significant passage of Scripture about how God's going to do that. This is the passage where the nation of Israel was conceived, not, not birthed, but just conceived, and where we see uh, the, the beginnings of God's unfolding plan for his children. So this is what it says in, in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And catch this line. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, uh, just know something, first of all. And this also applies to us. God chose Abraham not because he was special or not because he was better than anyone else, right? Just like God chose us not because we're special or better than anyone else. He chose Abram, Abraham so that he could display, God could display his glory through him, making him into a great nation and by blessing him. And the reason he wanted to do that is so that the world would be able to see the glory and greatness of God as well. And then he even adds that, that all the peoples on earth would be blessed through Abraham. You see, God's purpose for Abraham and for his future offspring is that they would be this catalyst, this, this beginning of God's blessing that would be able to reach other people in the world. Now, um, as I said, this promise to Abraham was really just conceived at this moment. It wasn't fulfilled to hundreds of years later when, when God fulfilled that and made the nation of Israel into a nation. And we read about this story in the book of Exodus. So if you can, turn to Exodus now 19. And this is another a pivotal passage in God's story and his unfolding plan for humanity. Um, let me just give you some context as you're, as you're turning there. God, uh, the nation of Israel was, was in bondage. They, they left they were in Egypt, and they grew to into a nation, and they were in bondage. And then God called Moses to, to lead his people out and to rescue them from that bondage. And this passage in, in Exodus chapter 19, beginning at verse 3, uh, takes place just before God establishes a covenant with, with his people. And this is what, what God says to Moses and, and to the people. It says, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. 
You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, in this passage, God uh, gives three uh, titles to, his, to the nation, to his, to his people. And each one has significance. First of all, he, he calls them his treasured possession. And, and this speaks of, of a new relationship with God. In other words, uh, God's heart was for them, and their heart was supposed to be for God. It's kind of like when you're dating in a relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, the first time you hear the words, I love you, it changes the relationship a bit from something casual to something. It's like, oh, this is, this is significant. There's a, there's a difference in the relationship. Or when you, when you, you, know, you know, give a ring and you propose, then now you're not just boyfriend and girlfriend, you're, you're a fiancé. And uh, so that's a change in relationship. So God is saying that you're my treasured possession. There's a, there's a new relationship between us. Next, he says you're a kingdom of priests. And this speaks about a new role that they're going to have in the earth. They're going to be now the go-betweens or the mediators between a holy God and a sinful world. Their, their role was to, to help a world who didn't know God to be reconciled with God and to come to know the one and only true God in the whole universe. And then he calls them to be a holy nation. And they were, they were, they were, God set them apart. And he, and he chose them and he sanctified them for, for God's purposes, not for their purposes. They were to be God's people, to do what God wanted them to do, not to be their own people to do what they wanted to do. Now, unfortunately, again, as we know, the nation of, nation of Israel failed to live up to this, these new titles. In fact, they, they did the opposite. Their hearts wandered from God, and they allowed the nations uh, around them to entice them to follow their false gods rather than God's people pointing the nations to the one true God. And they defiled themselves by disobeying and rebelling against God and His ways. But God never forgot His promise to, him, to them. And even though many disobeyed God and brought shame to His name, there was always at least a few who displayed God's glory throughout the world with their lives. Okay, now let's look at, at a, a third key passage in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 8. And this is a significant one because it is the story of the building and the dedication of the temple of God. Another uh, significant moment in Israel's history. And in this passage, uh, beginning at verse 56 of 1 Kings chapter 8, um, this is Solomon's prayer of dedication over the temple. And in this prayer, once again, we see God's promise to Abraham being fulfilled, and we see God's purpose for his people brought into focus. Okay, so I'm going to read this um, passage, just a few verses here. It says in verse 56 of, of 1 Kings 8, um, Solomon's praying, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave to his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us or forsake us. Now, watch this language, because this is language we've been, we've been talking about in the last few weeks. May he turn our hearts toward him, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands and decrees and regulations he gave our fathers. 
And may these words of mine, Solomon, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he might uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, according to each day's need. And then watch this line, because this is, this is key. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Now, you, you see what's happening here is, is Solomon is, is saying, you know, turn our hearts towards God. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to obey help your commands and decrees. And why? So that all the people of the earth may, may know that the Lord is God and there is none other. You know, so that they would be able to see the glory of God displayed in the lives of his children and his people as they walked in his ways and obeyed him. And so they would be so caught up in, in this relationship that as they looked at, at people who were walking with God, they would say, that is brilliant, that is magnificent, I want that for me. How do I do that? Right, that's what's happening here, is that as we walk with God and God continues to be with us, we display to the world that there is a God who is alive, who walks with us and protects us and guides us and strengthens us and blesses us. And he wanted, he wanted that every person from every nation would be able to come to know that there is a God through the people of Israel as they followed their God. Now, there are many other passages in the Old Testament that I could turn to today that all kind of speak about the same thing, but those are, are three or four of the core ones. So let me just summarize the Old Testament, what we've said so far. God's people were created to be image bearers who would display the glory of God. They were to be recipients of God's favor and blessing through no, nothing of their own doing, so that through them, the rest of the world could be blessed. God gave them a new position. He called them his treasured possession, a new ministry, kingdom of priests, and a new identity, a holy nation, so that the world would see the goodness of God to those who feared and obeyed him. And that they were to walk in the ways of God so that all people of the earth would know that the Lord is God and there is none other. And that's the purpose of God for his people in the Old Testament. Now, let's turn over to the New Testament and look at a couple passages there. Uh, I want to begin in, in John chapter 17. And John chapter 17 is, is Jesus' prayer over his, his disciples. And this is the prayer he prays the very night he was arrested and then subsequently tried and crucified. Okay, so this is, this is the very last time that he is, he is going to be with his disciples on this earth in that present form. Okay, and so he gathers them and, and he prays over them. Okay, it'd be like Kelly last week saying, like, this is my last time here, so I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. So Jesus is doing that. And this is what, what Jesus prayed. And these, these are his words to the Father that the disciples are listening to. He says, Father, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, meaning my disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, 
I have sent them into the world. Now, the, the prayer continues, but just for time, I'm going to stop there because then he talks prayers for all believers. But, but Jesus wanted his disciples to be in the world and not removed from it. And sometimes, you know, we as Christ followers, as soon as we come to Christ, we want to be taken out of the world and removed from that so we don't deal with all that stuff anymore. But had, he, had Jesus removed his disciples from the world, Jesus' mission and their mission would have been, would have been left unaccomplished. Jesus uh, prayed, um, sanctify them. Now, sometimes when we hear that word in English, we, we, it means purify them. But the, the word used here for sanctify is really the word, again, there's a theme emerging here, set apart. And specifically, it means set apart for a purpose. And the purpose in this context was, was to carry out, to continue to carry out the mission of Jesus that he had started on earth. And Jesus prayed to the Father that, that he would set apart the apostles and disciples because of the truth that they had been taught. He calls them, in this passage, sent ones. Sent into the world to carry on the ministry that Jesus began. And later, we know in the book of Acts that, that the church was called the ecclesia, which means the called out ones or, or the sent ones. Sent, uh, called out of darkness and into light, and sent out to be a shining light or to display God's glory as they moved around through the earth. That's what he wanted to do, is to bring God's glory. And, and, and we bring God's, God's glory by enhancing God's reputation in the eyes of others, right? So, so, by the way, every time you go and do something kind for someone, under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the power of God, and they recognize that you're doing that because you're a child of God, you're enhancing the reputation of the Lord. Every time you say no to doing something that would dishonor the name of the Lord because you're a follower of Christ, you're enhancing the reputation of the Lord. You're, you're bringing glory. You're displaying His glory around the earth. Like all those things matter to us. Okay. Um, just two more passages. Ephesians chapter 3 is the next one. This is where, where the Apostle Paul writes about God's marvelous plan for the entire world. And, and, and this is what, what he says here in this passage. He says in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 8 to 11, he goes, Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. And what was that grace? To be able to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to, to make plain to everyone or, or to, to make simple to everyone the, the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all these things. And what was that, that mystery? What was that thing that was kept hidden? Well, part of it is that... Is that um, people could have access to this holy God. Not just the nation of Israel, not just the priests, but all people could. But in verse 10 it says this, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, if you were with us in our, in our um, spiritual warfare series, you know that that's a reference not to good angels, it's a reference to, to evil angels, right? To the spiritual powers to the forces that are working against us. And that was according to God's eternal purpose. You know, God's grace was given to Paul so that he could preach about the boundless riches of Christ. 
that, that God was not just a God of the nation of Israel. He was uh, a, God, a God who could save all nations and that all people can have access to his goodness. And that truth was hidden for many, many years. And even beyond that, Paul is stating that, that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God or God's unfolding plan is being made known to the spiritual forces around us. And so God's revealing through his goodness to us, to the, to the, to the spiritual world around us, that you guys are over. Like, it's done. Like, you blew it, and I'm winning, and this is enacting, and now we're just going to carry this out. So, so I think they're scared of what's happening and what's coming because he's revealing this to them. Just imagine, like, we're not just being a testimony of God's goodness to the world around us. God's using us to, to testify to the spiritual forces of his goodness and glory and power that he's the only true God. It's amazing. One final passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 12. And this is what it says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from the sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, what's that doing? That is, that is bringing the glory of God to the world. That's enhancing his reputation to the world around us so that even those that accuse you of doing wrong can see your good deeds and glorify the Father. Right? Now, that's what's happening here. Now, if this passage sounds familiar to you, it should be because it's almost identical to Exodus chapter 19 in the Old Testament. Except this time Peter's talking about the church. And this time instead of three tiles, he gives four. And each one of those things has significance. So again, I want to apply those things back to the church. He calls us a chosen generation. You know, uh, we are a chosen people. And just like uh, Israel was not chosen for any of its own merits, neither are we. But God chose us. Second, we are a royal priesthood. And, and not just a, a kingdom of priests, but a royal priesthood where that's special, that's extra special. And we are, we are people who, who um, have access to God and who are able to, to help other people have access to God. And we're also people who bring an offering to God as the kingdom of priests. So that means that, that everything that we do in our life, if done for the glory of God, is, is a spiritual sacrifice that we're making, even the smallest tasks. And what does Paul say in Romans chapter 12? In view, of God, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? Now, the problem with the living sacrifice is they want to get off the altar all the time, right? <laughs> they, they squirm. That's the problem with us. But that's what we're supposed to be, a living sacrifice. That means that, that as we go from here today, that we don't say we've done church because we've sat shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people, that we continue to be a living sacrifice to bring praise to God and to, and to be used by Him. He calls us a holy nation. Again, that is meaning that we're set apart. 
We're, we're set apart from God, and then he calls us a special uh, people. We're God's possession. We're, we're God's property, so to speak. We're, we're at his disposal to do his bidding in this world. We're not supposed to live our lives for ourselves anymore. We're supposed to be used by God, and we're his to use. So let me just compare these two things, Old Testament, New Testament, God's purposes for his people. Now, I, the second column in the New Testament, I shifted things around so they're not the exact flow of passages, but just look at this. Old Testament, we're image bearers to reflect God's glory to the world. New Testament, image bearers to reflect God's glory to the world and in heavenly places. Chosen by God, Old Testament. A chosen generation, New Testament. Recipients of God's blessing to be a blessing to others. Recipients of God's boundless riches with unlimited access to God. God's treasured possession. God's own special people. A kingdom of priests. God's royal priesthood. Set apart as holy. Set apart as holy. And faithful followers of God's ways so that all people will know that the Lord is God and there's no other. Bringing the hidden truths to light so that all people will know that there is a God. So what, what I'm saying as I do this is that God's purpose for his people has not changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, so I, I wish I, we had time to do this. I, I would like to, to ask you, write out what is God's purpose for his people because that will form who you are as a person. So I, I try to do this. I try to do it myself, and so... This is, this is my words, very wordy, very rough. You know, don't, don't post this on Twitter or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not that good. But this is, this is what I said as I was just trying to preach to myself as I prepared. You know, what's God's purpose for his people, for us? We are God's chosen, chosen representatives sent into the world by God to bring glory to his name by declaring his greatness and the good news about his son Jesus. We are also a showcase of his goodness and power and love. And as people see what God has done for us, they will want to know him as the one and only true God and follow his ways. Again, I know that's wordy, and it honestly could have been even more wordy. But, but here's the point I don't want you to miss. God has a purpose for his people. He has chosen us to be his children. He has chosen each one of us and set us apart and sent us into the world with a purpose so that we might bring glory to his name by showcasing his character and to point people to Jesus. So let me just ask you two questions. It's, it's report card time for, the, for school students right now. So if you were to grade yourself and how you're doing in fulfilling God's purposes from what we talked about today, how would you grade yourself? You know, would you get A-plus keener, I'm fully on board with God, or would you say, yeah, it's been a slack couple of years. Probably haven't done as much as I should. How would you grade the church, Ebenezer? You know, your spiritual family, how, how would we grade ourselves in terms of what we're doing? You see, again, what, what I want you to realize and what I hope you're catching is that 
God is passionate about his unfolding plan in this earth, his unchanging, overarching, unfolding plan. And that really is to, to, to help a lost and broken world see his glory so that they might run to him, the source of all help and strength. And our longing here at Ebenezer is to see every person in this spiritual family intentionally and actively engaged in the world for the sake of the world, being priests to one another as we love, serve, and minister to one another by the power of the Spirit. Ebenezer is not a building. The church is not an event. It's not a program. It is the spiritual family on mission together to bring glory to God by pointing people to Jesus and helping them grow into fully mature, fruitful disciples of Jesus. And I, I need to say that, that if you're not part of God's mission on earth, then at the very best, your growth is stunted. Because that's how, that's how God helps us grow is when we engage in His mission. Worse, if you're a believer and you're not part of God's mission on earth, you either lack understanding or you're choosing to live in, in active disobedience. And if you're a believer and you're not participating in God's mission on earth, you really aren't a true disciple because mission is central to who God is. Now, th those are hard. I I'm not trying to throw guilt on anyone. I'm just saying that, that this is the reality. And so what we're asking is that in this season, as we rebuild, we're going to lean in together. Like I, I loved last week at the barbecue, but we're not just about barbecues. We're about leaning in together and being on mission together so that God may be glorified. So may God be glorified through you this week. May you enhance his reputation. And by his grace, may he allow us to draw people to himself. Let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, your kindness to us. And thank you for your goodness. And thank you that you have chosen us. We don't deserve it. We don't know why. But we're so grateful that you have. And now help us to honor you, that we would be living sacrifices that would bring glory to your name. And then by your grace, as you fill us with your spirit, and as we move about this world, may, may we bring that glory for others to see so that they are not drawn to us or this church, but they're drawn to you, the only true God. And so we submit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. And there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this Psalm 67 and pray this over us 
And just before I do that, I just want to remind parents, if you have kids age four to grade five, if you can meet us in the hospitality center across the hallway, after we're done here, that'd be really, uh, we'd, that'd really appreciate that. So this is what it says in, in Psalm 67, my prayer for us today. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation amongst the nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen? Amen. 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 So go today in God's power and peace as ambassadors and people, uh, image bearers of God's glory. Thanks for being with us. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.